0: Hey, boom guys, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. Today we're gonna talk about the power of storytelling to your investors, to your partners, to your employees, and even to yourself. This is part one of part two. I think this is a crucial topic when launching and starting a fund or a business and even in your life in general. Hope you guys enjoy. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around. And now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, How will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is gonna give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. Hey, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Pennington. So today we're gonna talk about the power of storytelling. Storytelling. When talking to your investors, partners, even your employees, having a vision and be able to construct a story is crucial. And this is part one. There's going to be two parts of this. I think it's that crucial. I kind of broke it up into two episodes. Because your story is what everyone attaches to. Um, the best CEOs in the world. I've read multiple books on a lot of, you know, You have tons of people that write different books and, and I love hearing them. There's a common thread that I've found is that they are very... Good at constructing their story to the people around them. A great example is Richard Branson. He they were building Virgin, you know, if you know Virgin Airlines, Virgin Galactic, that's him, right? Richard Branson. They have the Virgin, I think they have cruise ships now. Kind of a bad time to be in cruise ships with the coronavirus. And by the way, the markets are free falling right now. I don't talk much about markets. You can go to other places to hear about the markets. I'm not gonna do that just because there's, you know, that's not my niche. Um, but man, so bad time to be in in that space. Richard's in that space a little bit. Um, but a cool story from him. So they were building a, they bought a private Island. They were building a hotel on this Island and Richard, they fly out. You know, he's just one of the most famous CEOs in the world, right? They fly in this private jet. They get in the boat, they, you know, go over and they go to the beach and they are, they have all the plans. He's with all the contractors and the architects and everything. And they're planning to build this huge hotel. He gets on the beach. And he sees two guys, two local guys that were chilling on the beach and they were waiting to have all of the big machinery and all the, you know, the excavators and stuff were going to be placed on the beach right there. And Richard steps away from everybody and goes over and talks to the two gentlemen for about five, six minutes. And nobody was going like, Oh, what's Richard talking to him about? And, uh, it's kind of unusual cause they have a busy day, really busy schedule. And he comes back and they kind of ask him later on, like, what were you talking to those two guys on the beach about? And he goes, well, I had to tell them the vision of what was going to go on on this Island. I told them about the massive hotel we were going to build and the pools and how amazing of a resort this was going to be. And that their job was to have the excavators and all the big machinery is going to land on that beach later that day. And they had to ensure that it was, you know, placed in a safe spot, not too close to the shore Um, and to make sure everything was facilitated and he, and he told them your job is very important because if that, if this construction, this machinery isn't there, we won't be able to build this huge vision. And Richard Branchon made sure that those two guys that were, you know, bottom of the totem pole kind of guys felt like their job was crucial to the story into the vision of what was going on for this massive resort, right? The power of story as a CEO, as a leader in your business, motivates and changes people. Um, a lot of people attract and get, and get attached to stories. A lot of you guys probably know my story, right? maybe the reason you're still listening to this podcast and maybe you just found out it, but my story, right? I've told it many times before. I can tell my story in 30 minutes, in five minutes or in 30 seconds, right? My story of I was working at a company. I, I learned about the fund world from my dad. His business partner kind of opened this, this thing up to me. I you know, I wanted to work in it, but I knew I needed to work on hot Wall Street or something before that. But then I had this amazing opportunity. And I found this little niche that I could do a lending. I could start a debt fund and lend to certain people. And we, we launched a fund. My dad, the, the crux of my story is I went to my dad because he's apparently really rich and doesn't spend his money. And he said, I won't invest with you, right? I, I, I can't invest with you. But he runs a twenty billion dollar fund. Is a you know manager of those family of funds of twenty billion dollars, and said I can help you construct it right. And he can help me construct it. We get it ready. I pitch six investors. We raise like fifty grand, but we got a like about a sixty percent return on that fifty grand. It was amazing, and from there we've grown and done really well. And I built a team out and done really well, right? That's kind of my thirty second pitch of my story. And part two, I'm going to go into details of how I tell that story, but um, I tell the story of being scrappy and 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 uh, how to you know, how I constructed my fund very unconventionally and how I found money and raised money. I tell all that, right? The people were competing against their story to a lot of investors is I went to Harvard, right? I went to Goldman Sachs for a few years. I had now have this great idea for a fund. That's kind of the story they tell. And investors go, okay, great. You went to Harvard, you went to Goldman. You must be smart. You're qualified. What do you got? Um, we have to be a little more creative when telling our story to combat and, and to be kind of equal to the Harvard guys, right? Or hey, I was at Google for 10 years and I wanted to start a fund, right? And I you know what I mean? We have to be a little more creative and say, no, I, you know, I'm an expert in senior assisted living and that's why we can crush it here. And I found this little niche in this little pocket. Or I'm really good at, you know, trading Forex markets. I know I'm not on Wall Street, but I've done real here's my portfolio. Look at this, how amazing we've done, right? And telling your story attracts people to you. Now a lot of people just to give you a few examples of storytelling. I was actually with one of he's one of the most famous copywriters in the entire world. I was listening to him speak and he said the the phrase, "Hey, I want to tell you a story or let me tell you a story." It's one of the most powerful phrases in the world. When you say that, "Hey, let me tell you a story really quick." Everyone's like, "Heck yeah." Like, "I want to hear a story. Let's go." Like let's let's they like sit Indian style on the floor and like, "Let's go." Right? We've been programmed from watching movies, listening to books, radio. I mean, back through generations, back to like the caveman days, stories were like the best part of life, right? People would tell amazing stories. So when we say the words, let me tell you a story, it pulls people and it pulls employees and investors. I make sure every single investor that invests in my fund knows my story. Every person that works for our company knows our story. And then also what we're doing in the future, right? What's our future story gonna be? What's our future vision, like Richard Branson said. So real quick, like for example, Oprah, you may or may not like Oprah, right? Just because you've maybe you've seen her shows and stuff. But a lot of people, if you ask them, why do you like Oprah? You know, diehard Oprah fans, they will tell you her story, right? They'll say, you know, do you know Oprah's story? And you're like, no. And they go, let me tell you a story. She grew up in Africa, right? She was born to a 13-year-old mom, right? Super just in poverty. She grew up and followed her mom's footsteps and got pregnant at 13 as well. And she lost the child, uh, thirteen years old, which to anybody would be traumatic, but especially to a, a teenage young teenage girl losing a child, um, super traumatic. She's in Africa, finds her way, makes her way to America, grows up a little bit, and wants to be a TV star. And uh, she she tries to tries to apply for a few TV shows. They tell her you are not fit for TV. Your body, you're kind of bigger. You're and she's African American woman, right? You're just not fit for this. And she finally lands a TV show. Somebody takes a chance on her and it becomes one of the most successful TV shows of all time. And Oprah now is a multi-billionaire. People say when they talk with Oprah, it's like she's like a Harvard professor, MBA professor. I mean, her questions on business and finance are so detailed. She never went to school. Um, very smart, very educated woman and very successful woman with this you know terrible background, right? When you hear that story, you're like, wow, okay. Maybe I kind of like Oprah now. That's a pretty amazing story. Maybe you still don't like her, but a lot of people that like her, they attach to that story. Uh, another great story is, I've told this before about Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone. If you guys have heard this story, I told it on a previous episode. I'll tell you the quick summary, but of how Sylvester Stallone got started in his first movie, Rocky Balboa. He was dirt poor. His He had this dream of being on stage, of either a stage or a movie, and he would go audition. He said he auditioned 1,200 times in New York. Uh, in, yeah, in New York. And the person interviewing him was like, there aren't 1,200 studios. He says, I know. I went to each one seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times to audition for different places. And they all said, no. He said, you're too old. He's got kind of a, a leather skin. He's just he, kind of wrinkled. As you know, Sylvester Sloan, if you've seen him before, he said, you're not fit for this. So finally he goes home. He watches Muhammad Ali. And I forgot the the guy he fights. Muhammad Ali fight another guy. And he said it was the most incredible fight he's ever seen in his entire life. He stayed up for 18 hours straight and wrote the entire script for Rocky, the first movie. Wrote it all down. He said, um, and I usually tell the story. I don't tell you who it is, but this is Lester Stallone. And uh, he takes the script. He's like, oh my gosh, I've got gold. He goes back to those same places where he auditioned. He said, Hey, I've got this amazing script for a movie. And They read it and they go, "Actually, this is this is pretty good." And he is dirt poor. They don't have enough heat in their apartment. He has to go to the library, and he uh, he to heat up to get warm. He goes to the public library just to get warm at night. Um, I mean, that's how that's how poor he is right now. His wife left him because he wouldn't give up his dream. And he said, when they asked him, "Why don't you just go get a job or something else?" He said, "If I got a job, it would kill the dream inside of me. I knew I could never." keep going on my dream. If I got a normal job, it would just, just kill that dream inside of me. And so he said, I had to go for it. And so anyways, he takes the, uh, the script in, they actually really like it. They offer him $120,000 for the movie, right? More money than he's ever seen his entire life. He goes, Oh my gosh, this is incredible. He goes, guys, thank you so much. Um, now last thing before we, you know, sign this deal, I'm going to play Rocky. And They go, you're not a, you're not an actor. What are you talking about? And he goes, no, actually, before I'm a writer, I was an actor, and I'm pretty good at it. And they go, no, like, no, you're not playing Rocky. That's not going to happen. And he goes, I'm not selling this movie unless I'm playing. I'm the lead character, lead lead person as Rocky. And they go, no. They come back, and and they offer him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, roughly, for the movie for him not to star in his own movie. He says no. An extra, you know, $130,000 for him not to play his own movie. He says, no, I'm not going to do it. They offer him $360,000 to not star in his own movie. And he says, no way, I'm not doing it. I am, I've come too far. He would not give up on his dream. He then goes, they finally say, fine, this is going to be a terrible movie. And he he was just so convicted it'd be a good movie. They said, fine, we'll give you, I think it was like 50 grand for the movie. And uh, he said, fine, you can star in the movie. They gave him a million dollar budget and um, said, go, go make your movie, whatever. And which is gonna be a li- really low budget film. You know, it wasn't gonna be great. He goes out, um, films Rocky. And in this time he had sold, he sold his best friend his whole life. The one person that stayed with him was his dog. He sold his dog at a liquor store. Um, the guy talked him down. He sold his dog for $50. And he said it was one of the hardest days of entire life. He said, he he cried just bitter tears as he went home that night. And, uh, he finally lands the deal for 50 grand and they ask him, right. And you guys know now, I mean, Rocky, huge success box box office did really well to date. It's made over. I think that Rocky won that original movie did over $300 million, um, just, man, just crushing the box office. And then it's led to all the other Rocky movies. Celeste Stallone's career was launched into into the filmmaking business, did really well. Obviously after that, we all know his name now. And he said, they asked him, what'd you do after you got that $50,000 bonus? Like what happened? He says, the first thing I did was I went back to the liquor store and I hoped that the person that bought my dog had frequented the store. And uh, he he waited for three days and the guy came with the dog he said, Oh my gosh. He said, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I know I sold you the dog and we made a deal, but this is, this dog is my best friend. And I, he said, I cried for three days after I sold this dog. Can I, can I buy the dog back for you? I'll, I even pay double. I'll give you a hundred bucks. The guy goes, no way. I'm not selling the dog. He goes, okay, I'll give you 500 bucks. And he goes, no way. This is my dog. Now I'm not selling you the dog. I like the dog. And, uh, he finally offers, and I forgot the exact number. Um, I think it was around $5,000. He bought the dog back for um, gets the dog back. Now don't quote me on that. I think I was, it was over, it was around five, I think it was around $5,000 gets the dog back. That dog was, is butt kiss in the movie. Rocky butt kiss is the dog that he sold at the liquor store and bought back. Uh, just crazy story, right? So you hear that story with Rocky and Sylvester Stallone, you go, man, actually, you know, I might like Sylvester Stallone now a little bit more because you attach to that story because you felt some of those same feelings before in your life of struggling for your dream and you want to make things happen. That's the power of, that's his origin story. Just that alone is his origin story. This is, this reason, this concept of storytelling is the reason every time I bring someone on the show, I ask them, how did you get started? How did what tell, tell us your story? It's the first question I always ask. And That's what most interviews ask because if someone just stepped on, you don't know anything about and They just start spitting out content it's hard to attach and to relate that person, but if they come on and tell you this amazing story, like Rocky Balboa, and or Sylvester Stallone of how he made Rocky Balboa, you go, "Wow, that's actually pretty cool." Maybe I'll listen to you now, or maybe I, I want to hear more. I, I'm intrigued. It's the power of storytelling. Um, I know I was gonna share one last story of you guys know the rapper Little Nas X. He made the I'll even play it for you, "Old Town Road." If you guys have heard that song, this one. Mm. Yo, know, if you guys have heard this, if you heard this, uh, that song a year and a half ago, Lil Nas X was a, just a nobody. Um, I mean, he was, he said he was dirt poor. He heard this beat for old town road. Cause yeah, you could be like, Oh, I don't really care about this guy's a rapper. Like who cares? Right. He heard this beat on a, on a website. It was $35 to buy the beat and he was sleeping on couches. He didn't have a home. He was pretty much homeless. He hears this beat. He uh, borrows $35 from a friend to buy this beat off of uh, whatever it was, this w- internet website that he could buy beats off of. Buys the beat, goes in on a Tuesday because Tuesday is cheaper to the recording studio. I think for 12 bucks, records the song. So for less than $50, he bought the beat, recorded this song and, and uh, publishes it and starts getting a little bit of traction. They go, well, who do you, you know, and he wanted somebody to sing with him. And he goes, I want Billy Ray Cyrus to be on here. So he gets Billy Ray Cyrus cause it got a little bit of traction on YouTube. And, uh, that was a year and a half ago in 2019. He won multiple awards for the breakout artist of the year. Uh, best, best hit of the year. This video right here, I'm looking at YouTube has just under 500 million views on YouTube. Uh, this song it's just a huge success. And he, and he you know, came from nothing. Um, did it for less than fifty bucks. Launched the song, and then I heard that story of the first time. I'm like, dude, little Nas X, that's awesome. Like, that's a really cool story of entrepreneurship and getting things done versus just another rapper, right? That made a cool song. Um, power of storytelling. Um, so I hope you guys. Th- I want you to think through your story. How how do you construct your story? Do you are you mindful about your story about what you tell your investors? And you're probably not going to tell the exact same story to your investors, to your employees, to your partners. But it, I think it's going to be a, a similar story, right? Of how you got into the fund world, how you wanted to launch your fund, how you found investors. It's all about the story and be mindful of your story. A lot of, there's actually things in my life I do and struggle with because I think it'll be a good story one day for future investors. Boom. Right? Like maybe that sounds, maybe that's shallow. Maybe that is, but myself, you are the greatest hook to your story that can ever happen right? Make sure to construct your story. Well, they'll tell you this in interview. If you're interviewing for a big place, they always ask you your story, right? How'd you get here? And you got to tell them a good story about school. If you have a gap year, right? Why did you have that gap year? Right? Tell them, construct a great story around what you are doing, what you've done in the past. And then maybe if you don't have this fantastic story in the past, start today, start building your story. A lot of my story bases from the fact of like, Hey, I don't have like all the resources and like the Harvard degree and everything, but I was really resourceful. I said, I'm not gonna stop. I said, I'm gonna keep going. I'm not gonna quit. I'm gonna find the way. I'm gonna find the investors. I'm gonna find the bank money. I'm gonna find the deals. I don't care how long, how hard it takes. I'm gonna figure it out. That's the story that I tell myself and that I tell others. That drives me. The story inside your head. That's a great little, I wanna finish with real quick. The story inside your head is the most powerful story and blueprint to your life. If you listen to Tony Robbins or any of those kind of guys, they always talk about the story inside your head. Are you? I'll just give you three examples really quick. And this is going to be a long episode, so we're breaking it in two pieces. Um, but are you the the bottom? Would be the victim. The story inside your head. Are you the victim? Everything happens to you. Oh, the market crashed. Oh my gosh, things keep happening to me. My my dog died. Our house, you know, our mortgage is too high. I'm just the victim of life, right? things happen to me. That's like the first tier, the lowest tier. The next tier is like, I'm the survivor. Is the story you tell yourself is, you know, I, uh, I a lot of bad things have happened to me in my life. You know, I had maybe my mom died or, you know, my parents got divorced or, you know, other crazy things have happened, but I survived it. And I'm still here and I'm you know, strong and confident. That's a little bit better of a story. And then some people have a story of the hero. I'm the hero of the story. And if you've know, seen all the hero stories, they have the same bad stuff happens to a hero, right? Really bad stuff happens. They have these crazy villains come in or mom died or dad passed away. They're an orphan, right? But the hero says, I'm the hero. I can o- I'm can. not just going to survive it. I'm going to overcome it and churn- turn these challenges into my greatest victory. And if you can have the hero mindset and hero story in the back of your head as you go through work and life and family and every part of your Um, I guess life, right? Every part of what you're doing, you have the hero mentality. that will change how you act, how you are. So the power of stories to yourself, to business partners, to investors, to employees is so powerful in leadership um, and what you're doing every single day. So remember that, remember that quote, let me tell you a story and think through how to craft your stories. In part two, the next episode, I'm going to walk you through my story, pieces of my story that I've Included in there on purpose. We're gonna go through hero's journey, all that kind of stuff. The two hero's journeys, actually, um, they're the hero's two journeys. <laughs> Sorry to misquote that, but should be a good episode. See you guys then. See you guys then. Bye. Hey guys, wasn't that awesome? Hey, if you wanna learn more about funds, how to get going, how to get started, we did something cool. I put together what I call a mini vault, and we have recorded a ton of training videos and resources to help you launch a fund. In addition to that, I gave you my favorite pitch deck that I used for a fund previously. I also give you a step-by-step guide of how to go through and launch your fund. Additionally, you once you get into our mini vault group, you are put into our private Facebook group. And guess what? I go live in there once a week to answer your questions specifically about the fund. And you can interact with other fund managers from around the country and around the world. So if you're interested, go to www.investmentfundsecrets.com. You can hop in and join the group, join the private members group, get the resources, download the PDFs, and I would love to see you in there. Love you guys. Peace.